Hi, welcome to Agora Community Radio, the podcast for artists in the animation industry who want to listen and learn on the go. This episode is from our A Conversation With series, where we invite pros from all walks of our industry to have a chat with us about their background and experiences, and then we finish it off with a little Q&A from the audience. You can always head on over to our website, agora.community, to watch the full video, or if you just want to listen to what we think are the most interesting bits and pieces of these conversations, you can listen to the Agora Bytes clips on this channel. And now, sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode. Hello. Welcome to yet another conversation with here at Agora Community. We have um, someone we've wanted to have on for quite a while now, actually. Um, but um, the problem with with this particular person is that everyone wants a piece of him because he's extremely busy. Um, and I, I mean, and uh, like for real busy. Like I think that David and I are busy, but then there's people like Ravi out there, and they're just they just they they kind of broke the mold with regards to what busy really means. So we'll have him in. We'll, we'll get to find out what's kept him so busy over the, the, the last, uh, well, last couple of years, I guess, and uh, what's kind of coming up for him next. But before we do that, as usual, I'm going to bring in David. David Iber, how are you? Hey, Brent. I can imagine him giggle in the, in the background. <laughs> yeah. Your description yeah, yeah. of how, how busy he is. He, he's such a, a humble person that I'm sure that he was just, Oh, stop it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Ravi, Ravi, he makes something like being humble. Uh, like he's like expert level. He's very good at it. Um, yeah, I think it's just in his DNA. Well, it's interesting because the thing about Ravi is, is I get this very sneaky suspicion and I mean, we're going to, he's going to be able to defend himself when he's on here. This is where we get to attack our guests before they're even on. But basically Ravi kind of probably does it to himself a little bit. This is my guess because he is a like next level overachiever. So he, he's one of our experts, um, at, at Agora, Agora community. So if you need a review, um, and you want a really in-depth one, I suggest strongly you pick Ravi because I mean, all the experts are awesome, but, um, but Ravi, he, it's like, it doesn't even make any sense. He, his drawings that he does over top of the videos, it's like, it does, it just, it's, it's crazy. Like yeah. he might as well, you could probably just, we could probably lift the drawings from the review and make a feature film out of it is basically what I'm saying. So that's probably one of the reasons why he's so busy. Cause he does everything to a thousand percent but anyway i still remember vividly when he he, he showed us his first review almost oh yeah almost oh, yeah. A project, like oh, oh yeah here you go guys that's the best i could do it was yeah. like supposed to be a 15 minutes review it was a 45 minutes well, review in depth oh, yeah. it was it was insane it doesn't make it sense well, and i remember talking to him about it and it was like this awkward moment almost like he was worried that he screwed up and you no know, the awkward silence is because we were all just like shamed we were all shamed. We were dealing with the shame of looking at his review that was just ridiculous. And we're just like, man, we all suck compared to you. And now we're all a little bit mad and jealous. Anyways, let's just bring him in here so we can stop talking about behind his back. So Ravi, my friend, welcome oh, to the show. Man, what an introduction. How <laughs> well, works. Jeez, you guys are, are uber nice. I mean, honestly, well, it's... Um, we don't lie here on the streamcast. This is all truth. So I mean, I, for people who've seen your reviews, I'm sure they already know. I so Sergey Shutko, he was he's in the in the chat there. He's seen one of them. So he's he's seen the evidence. So you can oh, pretend God. you can pretend all you want that this is that we're all just <laughs> blowing roses and, and rainbows up your butt, but we all know it's true. So just <laughs> let's just put it out there. 
the truth is oh, out. Man. Well, I mean, it's such such a amazing introduction what you guys have done, and I'm so honored to be you know part of the review roster, the reviewers roster in Agora, and it's been a blast you know working with you guys and knowing you all these years, and yeah, um, I you know I honestly I, I mean I I do it also feeling like a student myself, like I I don't wanna come across like you know you know i know more than you that's why i'm doing this review for you mm -hmm. i i take it more like an exploratory thing and that's why i draw because for mm -hmm. it's kind of my way of diving into the nitty-gritty of what's needed to to analyze a shot and it just helps me to get deeper into it and just you know explain better to the animators it's like um, how you think, right? Like it's, it's like you kinda, think yeah, in drawing. Exactly, because yeah. that question always comes up, right? Like, uh, oh, do you do you really need to draw, learn to draw to animate, especially in three D? I'm like, no, not not really. Um, I do encourage it though; it does help because what happens with drawing? It's like I feel it's kind of the the easiest way for me to materialize something that's in my head. Mm. Some people do that with, you know, acting with their bodies. They will record themselves with video reference. And I do video reference as well. It's just that I suck balls. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> can I swear in the... Yeah, podcast? go for uh, it. Yeah. Okay, sorry. Sorry about that. Some, somehow so, I don't think... You don't strike me as the type of person who's going to have real potty mouth. Like, if balls no, is not. the worst you got, then bring it on. Exactly, yeah. I'm not that <laughs> bad, I think. <laughs> but, but, uh, um, but yeah. Uh, I agree. When I when, when I got at, at DreamWorks in, in the beginning, someone that you know quite well, Ravi, uh, I had like Pierre Pirifel that was actually seated next to me, and he, and when I asked for feedback, say, oh yeah, and he's just started to draw on my animation. I was like, dude, what is this superpower? I saw people draw before. I saw oh, yeah. people draw little thumbnails for their own animation, but redo all of my poses in like mm. 48 seconds and it's all way better. <laughs> and and you don't have to explain. It's it, it's all there. Oh yeah. So that's that's definitely a superpower for an animation supervisor or lead once you want to provide notes. It's it's yeah. Yeah. But there's one thing to get drawers from anyone and from Pierre is different. <laughs> Pierre is like this genius. With, uh, he's a prodigy child, yeah. I think. I, I think we have praised Pierre enough on this stream. So <laughs> I, I, I think we are obligated to stop it there. Otherwise, yeah, we'll okay, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, the, uh, I think the first time, Ravi, uh, I came to, to see your work, it was <clears> probably <throat> 10 years ago at uh, iAnimate. I think you were among the, the first students that we had. Uh, I think maybe one of the first alumni. I don't remember if you completed the... Yeah, you did complete the, yeah, the, yeah, the program. Yeah, yeah. And I remember that, you know, I already knew that, you know, online <laughs> school, it's... Uh, well, first of all, animators, are often they arrive, they already have a little bit of experience and then you have good instructor on top of that. But I remember seeing your animation. It's like, oh, wow, okay. <laughs> that That's something. Uh, and then this, the fast forward a couple of years and... I know we had uh, Olivier Stefilas that was a good friend that he was uh, uh, recruiting at, um, uh, he was the animation director at uh, um, DreamWorks India. And then just randomly we had a chat and say, oh, by the way, I have to tell you, this Ravi guy that's coming from iAnimate, holy shit, what, what is this? Oh, <laughs> In <wow>. a very <laughs> good way. So <laughs> maybe just because you've, if we can just recap a little bit, because you started to work in, in the UK and then you worked in, in Spain. And then so how how did 
this happen to go from having those smaller gigs to go at DreamWorks uh, India to work with the Olivia and Penguins of Madagascar? I don't know. <laughs> That's a <laughs> tough question. Uh, so, well, I mean, um, I can kind of briefly just go over it. Like, it's kind of everything that I've done uh, in terms of like, you know, traveling and having all these experiences in different countries. It has mostly been out of need uh, because where I come from, and I fr I'm from this small place called Gran Canaria, which is an island in Spain, uh, part of a group of the Canary Islands. Mm -hmm. And uh, back then, I mean, when I was younger, uh, there was no such thing as an animation industry or companies. There were in Spain, in mainland Spain. Um, but then, you know, I had this bug of like, I needed to learn to speak English as well. So there were all these factors that just pushed me to travel, make my jump, go abroad. <laughs> and it's a common trade for a lot of people, you know, a lot of animators uh, and people in the animation industry to travel because of their job and everything. So um, it was kind of like out of need. And then the perks that come with it is just lifetime benefits, right? Like... Uh, you get to open your mind to different cultures. You experience things, points of view on life that you otherwise wouldn't if you're just enclosed in the same cultural group all the time. Uh, you learn new languages. You, you eat really interesting food <laughs> that you wouldn't <laughs> otherwise. There's a lot of cool things that really enriches you as a human being. And that was always part of my, my, um, my interest as a young you know uh, a young student coming out of school and um and also a lot of it was also ignorance like i i didn't know so i was obsessed with cartoons like everybody has these stories right like oh you know i i started to think about animation later in my life or like very interesting uh backstories for me it was like I was four years old and I was already hooked up on the TV watching stuff, you know, and I really wa I was obsessed. Like, uh, no matter how, I just wanted to be involved in this industry. Um, and back then, it was everything I would see is 2D, like CG and all that came later, right? Like, I think, what was it? Jurassic Park, I think, was the movie that really, mm -hmm. w w like, woke my my... My understanding, oh, wow, okay, I, this is incredible. <laughs> I really want to do this for real. Um, so, yeah, it's mostly been out of, uh, you know, um, just being eager to learn this craft and this discipline of animation, what it is all about that just makes me move, even till today, actually. Like, um, you know, whatever decisions I make are, yeah, I, I'm just like a bit, OCD, passionate, maybe. <laughs> I'm, I'm curious where you picked up the 2D skills. Uh, I don't know myself. I mean, it's just like... It's all self-taught. That's I crazy. Never, I've never done like 2D animation professionally or... I used to, you know, like again, like my seed of being obsessed with 2D was watching cartoons. Or mm. Especially, I, I grew up watching uh, Japanese anime more than Western animation. Like I discovered Disney and uh, Looney Tunes, all that stuff way later. Um, and I, and I, I was like, uh, back then I would play a lot of like Nintendo and Mega Drive and all those like old school games. Mm -hmm. And I, I remember like just being obsessed, posing the screen and just drawing or like buying magazines outside of games and just 
cutting out the posters and <laughs> drawing them and that obsession was always there hmm. um but yeah i never like i never had any art education it's interesting you know, or stuff like that other so, than other than i animate other than i animate but it was so in terms free. of animation i mean yeah. in terms of animation i did do a i did go through a university degree in the uk um mm -hmm. but again it was uh it was called computer animation and special effects mm -hmm. and it was great it was very you know uh it was a bit too general like mm -hmm. a bit too like there were things there that maybe are not directly related to animation like what design or programming <laughs> and stuff like that but yeah you know, it's good to get exposed to those things in a way. Um, yeah. So basically, th those schools are often good to, you know, learn, learn the software, learn CG in general, make connections. And after that, you're left on your own. Either, either you become better on your own or at work or you go do one of those online classes and then you kind of uh, evolve. But... Yeah. I mean, nowadays, I mean, the options are amazing. Uh, yeah. Like a lot of online, you know, workshops and one-to-one -one mentorship. And That's it, crazy. It's incredible. Yeah. 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 Uh, something uh, I'm curious because we we had Olivier uh, a few weeks back and we we discussed about the the, the challenge of uh, Penguin of Madagascar in, in India because hmm. you know something that no one were was you know openly saying it but there was no expectation that the quality would be at the level of the production that are made in uh, California at both PDI and Glendale the main studio uh, and then everyone saw the resulting like. No one could tell that it was not one of the main original studio that, that worked on those films, that it was all done in this fairly new studio that they had <clears> uh, set up in uh, Bangalore, uh, India. So how was your experience there? How did you feel? Did you feel the, 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 the pressure of delivering? How was it working with Olivier? So a little bit, what, is the, what was the, the experience and the mindset of, of this production? Hey, uh, uh, before, before we get into this, do you want me to play a clip? Uh, just sort of to, to, to prime this particular uh, topic, or do you want to do you want, do you want to answer the question first? That's fine. Yeah, no, let's, let's let's play the clip. So we because know I mean, what, I yeah. think it's yeah, it'd be nice if we had something kind of specific to talk about, and, and we can also fresh people's memory on the quality because the quality was very high for a sort of a first sort of first time setup company kind of from scratch, and um, you know, it's it's unbelievable the work that came out of to that. the so, audience here. Just to let you so know, Brent, these yeah, guys just are before... really really nice. <laughs> They're what? super nice. So uh, so yeah. Brent, just before we, we, we do that, Ravi, can you explain who is that character that will be looking yeah, at that's for good those idea. that might not have seen the, the, the movie? Yeah, sure. And maybe so, how did you get the opportunity to be the lead of this uh, character? Yeah, perfect. So the character, basically the movie we're talking about is Penguins of Madagascar, which came out, what was it, like 2014 or something? Yeah, like about that, that. Maybe about that time. And basically, Dave is a talking octopus, basically. It has a face <laughs> and a mouth, and he has John Malkovich's voice, which was amazing. Um, and basically, he's just like uh, his motivations were... He, he's the villain of the film, and <clears throat> his motivations were, as far as I remember, I'm trying to remember, um, he was like jealous of the penguins because the yeah. penguins were too cute. And right. he just like uh, masterminding this plan to, you know, get rid of them and stuff and take over the world and all that. Mm. So that's the gist of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And how did you get to, to be the lead of this, of this character? Yeah. So uh, that's, that was quite a journey. So I, uh, when I joined, um, 
there were common friends that I that I that joined DreamWorks India uh, at the time that I knew <laughs> and I worked with in Spain, and one of them was Sami Fessi, who was one of the leads in the in the movie, and uh, he was leading the the octopies, the little octopi minions for Dave and uh, Olivier. Just basically because I knew Sami and we were buddies and stuff. Uh, he paired with me with him to assist him in in character development, right? Like this exploration tests and some like cycles, walk cycles, things like that. And uh, I mean, I was very lucky that you know whatever I was producing was in the vibe of the show uh, right away. So Olivier was you know pleased. And Olivier, I'm I'm like for a, for a lifetime I'll be uh, thankful to him because he taught me animation as what I know now, the foundation at least. Like I did not know animation. I thought I knew, but when I joined there and Olivier has this 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 virtue, this talent of like bringing up the, the deep, the deep skills that you have inside you, he will like find it. He will find your best uh, um, aptitude you have and try to really push that to, for the best usage for the project, right? So uh, I saw that and everything he was teaching me, I was like, a, you know, like a sponge. I really wanted to learn. It was that combination as well. I was really eager, like, oh my God, DreamWorks. Oh, this is so new. Like from working in commercials and TV series and small stuff, all of a sudden I'm in a feature from, from a, like one of the big giants in the animation industry. Uh, it was like, uh, a, a very explosive combination of factors and then uh, so you know I, luckily I you know I kept producing work with those octopi minions and, and with Sammy's help as well we got to a point where uh, you know Olivier was really happy and the main villain Dave was coming along from rigging and, uh, you know, they needed people to just test the character and stuff like that. So Olivier was like, would you be able to try, you know, like, would you like to try like doing some, some animation tests and, you know, just developing the character a bit, just working with rigging. Everything was new for me. Like I didn't even know how to approach uh, other departments at the time, like how to even report an issue. Oh, the rig is not working. How all those all those conversations, all that kind of exp exposure to uh, leading a character, essentially, right? Like you're you're essentially mm -hmm. coming up with uh, personality traits by doing loads of tests. You're uh, doing a bunch of technical uh, re requirements that will help the animators down the line, like post library uh, uh, poses and cycles and things like that. Uh, you are like kind of coming up with ways to envision what the character is going to do in certain sequences. So you're going to tap into like, you know, being able to uh, lead a sequence eventually. So there were all these things that I didn't know. I was just doing stuff, doing stuff. And, and eventually everything came as a byproduct. And yeah. it's a perfect segue to show this clip because you have all that effort and all that sort of nursing of that character essentially led to a shot like this. Just to help me cue it up, what's happening in the shot? What are people about to see? Uh, so, well, uh, let me remember. <laughs> so, uh, basically... <laughs> He's monologuing. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, yeah, it is. He is monologuing, but it's kind of like... Um, 
he just finished telling his backstory to the penguins and his motivations for you know why he's gonna take over the world and why he hates the penguins basically and he's kind of gonna he's he's presenting what he, he i think it's the medusa serum it's like that's the, right the the secret weapon yeah the secret weapon that he's gonna use to convert yeah. like to make everyone like zombies and yeah it, all the penguins they mutate they become these ugly exactly, manifestations yeah, yeah, in the, yeah, in the yeah, movie, yeah, which exactly. is actually really funny okay let's bring it up we'll have fun <laughs> yeah. take a look at this clip sure. uh, and that's how hold this on whole ah, this is impossible works. to do <laughs> i hate this, it so much hold on a second I... it's because it all plays automatically i'm sure there's a way of not doing that hold on i'll just fix this there we go let's try that again uh, and that's how this whole revenge thing works. And with this, I finally have the power to destroy you. <laughs> oh, it doesn't go. It doesn't keep going. That's dumb. <laughs> Let's try one more time. Uh, so just, just really quickly, obviously what you're seeing here too, of course, is his, his like line test, um, sort of, uh, I guess you, this was your planning, I guess the one on exactly. the left, right? So, yeah. It's, it's a 2d pass of the shot. Um, so you do you do this with all the shots? No, well, uh, uh, so this is a common question. Uh, it's a very big part of my way of working to do 2D, but it's, I don't do it like every time, right? Um, it's uh, this shot I felt, it, this actually, actually this shot and this 2D pass kind of grounded on me the, the fact that, okay, for me, uh, doing a 2D pass is like really essential most of the times. I felt confident, like, okay, right. like I, I, you know, because a lot of people have these concerns about, you know, the time frame. Oh, like some people would say, you're animating the shot twice. I'm like, yes and no, because you are solving a lot of problems ahead. So that's how I see it, right? Like I'm solving a lot of problems ahead of time. And then when it comes to executing it in 3D, you just, wow, you just go, you know what to do. Right. Obviously, you know the rig by that time. This was a, a this shot was done at a point where I was more confident with the character. It was okay. not like one of the beginning shots. Right. So you knew so. what you could do or what you could not do because exactly. it's, yeah. I'm impressed with just how tightly you were able to match the uh, the planning here. I took a risk. I mean, That's I was crazy. Uh, you know, I spent quite a bit of time and 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 again, it was like Olivier's blessing. You know, I I was like. I was very insecure, but Olivier was really liking where it was going. So I kept pushing and then he would be like, don't worry, you know, just keep going. And, and then the execution in CG was very quick because it was essentially just, you know, yeah. I, I already knew, uh, how, like even things like how you're using your screen space and how, mm. you know, you're thinking ahead. Okay. In 2d, I'm doing it this way. In CG, I'm going to have to rotate the character in depth and, you know, just make things a bit more coherent. So it's not uber cheated. Um, the, the thing with this guy also with this character in particular, I found it essential to, to think this way because he's so complicated. <laughs> it was like this rig of, uh, I think it was like six tentacles or eight. I can't remember now. I think it was six tentacles. And he talks and he acts and he gestures and and he has to walk and do all this stuff and he spins around and oh, yeah. all these intricate things that he does. That, well, and it's very broad animation. It's not, you know, uh, 
super broad. What super I find broad. interesting about this shot is, is that like, I love how sometimes the tentacles are almost have their own personality. They're doing their own thing. But then sometimes like right here, when they, when he flips it and spins it around, they all yeah. work together for that one moment, you know, but like often they're kind of doing their own. It's uh man, it's just, there's a lot going on in these shots, but somehow you managed to tie it all together and make me not like, you know, I, st I still know where to look all the time, which is, oh, I think, that's the, that would be oh, the that's not a good shot. thing if you don't know where to look. That's not a good, good thing. <laughs> no, no I, I do know where to look all the time is what I meant to say. Oh, okay, okay. Sorry. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, that's, that's what I meant. Um, basically, yeah. so just so I, so I have this straight in my head. So you would use this 2D line test where you did most of your thinking and your staging, and you would show that to your supervisor and be like, look, this is kind of what I'm thinking, which would de-risk your sort of, you know, the actual process of actually animating it for real with the wig. Pretty much. And also, yeah, pretty much. And also, obviously, for for uh, practical reasons, because production is, you know, counting the time, like, hey, what's going on? So I do need to show it. Um, it depends on the show. Some, some projects I've been, and, and this is like part of my way of doing things i like to take risks i don't like to uh just you know settle with what's i mean sometimes you have to just the requirement of the work right but i do like to explore and sometimes i'm guilty of exploring a bit too much so but part of me is like okay i really need to explore options and and 2d is the fastest way but doesn't necessarily right. mean it's presentable right <clears throat> so with olivier i was very lucky and and he really helped me a lot you know but you know i've had situations where the 2d pass is just for myself yeah. and then i yeah. just have to do like a straight ahead blocking and and show that right so you just feel lucky because you actually ended up with a supervisor who happens to be able to read and enjoys looking at 2D line tests, and that's how you operate anyways. Pretty right? much. Because uh... it doesn't always work out that way. Sometimes, like, I know I've worked with supervisors in the past, and, like, I like stepping up my first poses, and some people don't like looking at it like that. They prefer to see some, a little bit of splining first. So you never know. You have that relationship building between you and your supervisor and finding a way of being able to pitch them the shot yeah. is so critical to success because uh, you certainly don't want to just go off into a silo and do it the shot and then realize that that's not what they were looking for true and it's also i mean a huge part of it is uh so you know everybody talks about workflow right and it's one of the things even as a student you need to learn and you need to understand uh all the various types of workflows and and there's very interesting things that keep evolving with you know new add-ons and uh maya and this and that so Everybody's talking about workflow, but I tend to talk more about mindset and <clears throat> like what's required for that shot and what's mm -hmm. the sensibility of that particular project, right? Mm -hmm. So, for instance, in this show, because it's so broad and it's such a heavily inspired animation of, you know, like this Chuck Jones traits or even things like UPA, but then at the same time, it's in a three-dimensional world and it's a bit more grounded um, in terms of, you know, you need to show a bit of weight, you need to show a bit of fleshiness. There's mm -hmm. this combination of things that you need to develop as you work in the show. And that all comes together in making that decision, okay, is it worth doing a 2D pass on this? Or, mm -hmm. you know, if it's like a subtle acting shot where the, it's just like a close-up and the character is mm -hmm. just not even talking, it's just reacting to something. I'm not gonna, I don't think I would do 
too deep as it wouldn't inform me enough. I need to yeah. dig mm-hmm. into video reference and really study the nuances and, and make it more grounded, right? But if it's uh, more imaginative and you have to, like, uh, I, I cannot, I could not do, <laughs> at least me, some animators can, but I cannot do uh, acting of the shot in video reference. It's impossible for me. Why, right? you you don't have enough arms or something? What's wrong? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have enough arms. <laughs> you know, I, there's so many amazing beats in here. I'm curious if you have a favorite beat, like something that you're particularly extra proud of. I mean, there's so many things to choose from. I mean, the thing that I that, co- that comes out, that my favorite moment in this whole animation is this moment right here coming up where, where he's juggling again. Like there's a moment where it almost feels like his tentacles are a separate person personality and then kind of rejoin with him this moment where you see him the the little canister gets thrown up and then a bunch of tentacles kind of snatch it away and then bring it back up on the other side of the shot watch this this is so awesome right here (laughs) it's like just it's just so i mean i tell you it's just (laughs) would you have a would you have a moment like when you look at that shot oh my god he's so annoying it keeps going away on me but is there a moment in particular that you just you just were super extra proud of Oh man, uh, so many a, things. Such a difficult question because I don't like. So first of all, it's been so long. And yeah, it's fine. I, it's fine. I'm. I just. I'm I sure just, I... you know. There's so many <laughs> things I would not do or I would do differently. But uh, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm this, like, there's a lot of ideas in the shot that you know. It, it's not just myself. Obviously, there are naturally. You know, like peers of mine. Uh, um, I remember I, I used to sit to one of my greatest mentors again, uh, Nicolas Chauvelot, who's a, mm. uh, a French animator, really, really talented guy. And he taught me a lot of things in animation in general in my career. But I remember in this particular shot, he he kind of suggested, hey, why don't you make the Medusa serum roll on his tentacles and stuff? <laughs> and I was like, how the heck am I going to do that with the rig? And so I was like, okay, screw the rig and I'm going to just try to do it first. Like try to visualize how it's going to curl the tentacles first. And, you know, you start to do that research of looking at, I was looking at like, uh, I think it was the BBC Motion Gallery at the time. I don't know mm. if it exists anymore. <laughs> it, um, does. it does, right? So a pretty good resource. So I would look at like tentacles of octopi, like just how they curl and how they retract and how they twist around and how they show the suckers at certain angles and then Mm. they come back. And there's an element of design there, right? Like there's an element of appeal. And I was like, oh, cool. That's that's an awesome idea. And I just, you know, went with it. And it's just like what you see is a culmination of teamwork, really. Um, I mean, in this shot in particular, I think maybe generally what I kind of uh, maybe enjoyed the most, I I cannot say proud, but like enjoyed doing it, I think at the time, I think it was his facial performance. I Mm. really pushed it in the shot. Like it was Mm -hmm. like one of the most uh, exaggerated and broad and and yeah. it seemed to fly. <laughs> so, oh, because okay. normally we tend to, you know, like, oh, that's a bit too much. Just water it down. Yeah. Just tone it down a little bit. Tone it down. And I think in this shot, somehow, um, it's, it, people seem to like it. It seemed to work with the energy of his mm-hmm. delivery. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So at this point, Ravi, was the personality of the character well established in pre-production, or you were you were still dico- discovering the character as you were animating those shots in production? Uh, 
in my case, I always keep discovering till the very end. <laughs> <laughs> and by um, the final shot, you're like, all right, I figured exactly. out this character. All right, oh, I figured oh, out. And not even, I probably, I don't know. But um, uh, yeah, I think by this point in the production, I was fairly confident. Because, you know, when I was starting uh, with this character, the first shot, I remember, it was a mixed baggage of me doing drawings and then I would try video reference and then draw on top of the video reference and then try back again. It was a very exploratory. And as I went through and got faster animating the rig and coming up with uh, new tricks and, you know, even like showing other animators and stuff like that, it came to a point where I could like, okay, um, maybe the fastest way to deal with shape change is to actually draw those shapes and I could see like some people, for example, would animate the body, but then they would hide the tentacles and I would draw them. So I was borrowing a lot from that stuff. And, and eventually I decided, this shot in particular, I remember very well. It was very enlightening for me that, okay, this is like a career highlight for me in terms of, I want to use 2D more. It was a personal decision. Because hmm. uh, uh, before that, it was kind of like all these questions, right? Oh, I'm too slow. I'm... Is it worth or not? And I think this shot just demonstrated for me that it was worth doing it, even at the risk or at the expense of uh, being late in production. But I still wanted to have that chance to explore, and uh, which I don't. I mean, I'm not encouraging people to just you know do whatever you want. No, it's not about that. Uh, but I think there is a value on just having that hand on, even things like staging. Like I think. Uh, it's easy to over what happens in, in over the years. What I see, you know, we, we work in a, in big studios, mainly uh, we, as animators, we're handed the layout already figured out. Right. But sometimes that layout may could have the, the room to be a little more enhanced based on the performance you apply to it. Right. Uh, the animation can be showcased. Because you're going to come up with certain ideas and then if it doesn't match with the camera and the, the work they've done, uh, rather than you trying to force yourself into this thing that maybe could be better, I think the 2D aspect of it just teaches you that, you know, silhouette, poses, design, aesthetics, it teaches you a lot of things that, that really plus the shot in ways that, you know, it makes it clearer, which is what you want at the end of the day. Um, yeah, it's crazy to think that like this was because this was the first project, right? When you were at DreamWorks, this is the first one. Uh, at DreamWorks, yes, yeah, it was okay. the first uh, project, yes, correct. So like, you, like it's interesting because I mean the next clip we have to actually talk about is is in um, uh, is from from uh, Boss Baby, which is sort of a little bit more absolutely recent, which is going back to the idea of him being crazy busy and difficult to get on the show. <laughs> it's because he had this little thing he was working on, and it would just happen to be this <laughs> gigantic next project. So do we want to do we want to segue a little bit over to that? Because I'm I'm curious to see sort of like the, the, this is the genesis of of what you were already doing early on at uh, at DreamWorks. I can only imagine and what you yeah. were able to do more recently. Yeah, sure. Um, uh, I think, well, there's like a huge, vast uh, uh, amount of um, occurrences in my life that happened in between India and oh, of course. here in Boston. But I mean, just, just generally speaking, yeah, I uh, I worked on, uh, after, after Penguins, I joined Olivier on a venture to go to Oriental DreamWorks in China that unfortunately you know with the whole 
transition of DreamWorks being acquired by Universal, things changed. And unfortunately, whatever we were working in that particular studio didn't come to fruition. Uh, so then I came back to Europe. I came back to Spain. Uh, I freelanced for a bit. I went to London. I had a gig there uh, at MPC, just doing a bit of uh, character development for the Pokemon Detective Pikachu film. Um, and then while I was there, uh, DreamWorks LA called me to work on Dragons 3. And that's where my journey in LA started. So I came here, I worked on Dragons 3. Abominable, which was at the, t at the time I was in China, was called Everest. So we inherited that project from China where I was supposed to supervise on that project, but it, uh, it, you know, it, it got moved to LA. So then I joined here to animate on that. And then after that, Boss Baby 2 came. And uh, Boss 2 was, uh, was a challenging project, very challenging because it's a project. I mean, if, if you guys have seen the movie, uh, there's so much happening and there's such a variety of things happening too. Like there's a, there's a lot of broad animation, but there's a lot of some, some really good acting stuff too in there. Uh, there is a variety of characters. Um, the range is unbelievable. Uh, so um, I don't know how, but I managed to, you know, just, I was lucky to, to, uh, be blessed to work with Dan Wagner, who's the Hoka in, in this movie. And Dan Wagner is a very well-known uh, leadership uh, leader in, in the animation department at DreamWorks for many years. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, uh, we worked, like I, I started with him very early in the show, just helping to do some animation tests, developing the style a little bit. We started very, uh, like at the very beginning, we started exploring the transformation sequence. Because there was a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of uh, challenges there, technically speaking, about how you make a character transform to something else or how you make a character that's older look younger. And that was part of the movie, a big part of the movie, actually. So we started exploring that stuff first. And there's a lot of uh, tech things that we developed along the way with that, like the multi-limb system that we developed. And there was a lot of... Uh, uh, character wardrobes that we had to deal with, a lot of uh, uh, stylization choices that we were getting inspired by, you know, a lot of 2D research we were doing. So it was a heavy research uh, phase. And then when the villain came through, uh, Dr. Armstrong, which was voiced by Jeff Goldblum, which is, oh, it was such a joy to work with that character. <laughs> amazing, amazing. I, I, I'll, again, I'm very thankful because, you know, it's, it's uh it's such a very unique thing to have Jeff Goldblum voicing a baby <laughs> that's pretended to be an adult in a robot suit. It's very meta. Very meta. <laughs> it's like so yeah. crazy, right? It's, that's uh, a perfect segue. I'm gonna I'm gonna bring up the clip. Uh, do you want to talk specifically about what's happening in the scene so people have some context? Sure. Yeah. So it's the reveal scene. Uh, it's the it's the reveal scene of. I mean, you see the Doctor Armstrong previously in the film, but this is the reveal scene of Armstrong uh, uh, showing that he's a baby inside our robots. Okay. So let's take a look at this. Yeah. <laughs> 
Don't cry. They're there. All better. <laughs> <laughs> Say, if you want something done right, you have to do it without your brother. We meet again, doorknob. Hello, welcome, welcome. Please come in, entrez-vous. You're here. Oh yes, I, I was expecting you. I. <laughs> I expected that you would be expecting me. So there. Oh, and uh, by the way, I know why you're here. So, uh, so there. <laughs> you do? Mm-hmm. Yes, I do. Oh, have a seat, please. Oh, thank you. You know what you are? Mm? You are, if I may, extremely intelligent. Go on. Uh, I, as a matter of fact, I've been observing you. Spends time wisely. Check. Makes good use of classroom materials. Check. Keeps hands to self. Check. Hey, forget works well with others. You make others work well for you. That's literally the title of the book I'm working on. No kidding. You had no business being in yellow level, did you? It was sabotage. Sabotage, exactly. Jealousy, fear. Hey, I faced the same obstacles. In fact, you know, you remind me a lot of myself when I was your age, which is now. What? <laughs> surprise, surprise. Oh my god. What the frittata? Well put. He's a bit. You're a baby. I repeat, you're a baby. So surprised, you said it twice. <laughs> Unfortunately, people are. Uh, not ready for a, a baby in a position of power <laughs> yet. Remind me to get the number of your mutton chop cut. You know, I could use somebody like you with a superior intelligence like my own. Uh, mm. Really? Mm. Somebody who can uh, mm. Mm. Yeah. truly comprehend what I'm trying to accomplish. Well, you're looking at him. Bingo. Mm. Um, we have a secret level um, for very special babies. Mm, the best of the best. Ah, the elite. Beyond blue. Oh, well. Way beyond. <laughs> Way beyond blue. Mm. Well, there's a meeting today. After school, babies only. You may be small, but we're about to teach grown-ups a big lesson. Mm. Lolly? Okay. Oh, time for recess. Bye-bye. Sayonara! That's amazing. Unbelievable. <laughs> Shout out to the animators. I mean, uh, uh, Prashant, Tyler Phillips, Aris, uh, Albert. Uh, I had a brilliant team of animators, and we were together on this sequence for, I think it was a Maybe a couple of months, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, it was the first sequence we were working on to discover the character and come up with, you know, his personality and all that. And like I had done a bunch of tests, and this was like, okay, this is like that, that desire and culmination of all that exploration finally in the in the movie. 
and it was such a such a pleasure to work with those guys. So just to kind of just to uh, build up the context here a bit better. So you were the you were lead for this character. Is that basically how it worked, or exactly what? How like because you you said a shout to the animators because I know so you you probably animated some of the shots in here, but you also yeah. supervised some of the shots in here. Exactly. So yeah. What does that What does that look like? Like on a day to day? Like what was your like how How did that look? Like, so, like when, so when you, I, how does that work yeah. out? Sure, sure. So I'll kind of clarify because even on Penguins from Madagascar, I kind of did supervising duties, mm -hmm. but my title was lead, character lead, right? So I'll just explain how usually it works at DreamWorks. Character leads, uh, you know, lead animator, you usually assign a character and you just deal with the character. Um, occasionally, if there is like particular scenes where it's very heavy with that character, you are asked to, you know, just oversee that. But usually uh, the supervising sequences and, and just having, uh, you know, more uh, hands on the continuity, the shots or handling a team of people, that's usually what supervising animators do. I mean, Dave, you know this, right? You know this very well, like from the DreamWorks system. Mm -hmm. um, and usually supervising animators tend to get assigned characters too as character leads, but they tend to be more like, you know, more relevant characters like like the protagonist or mm -hmm. you know, the villain in this case. Um, so on Boss Baby 2, I was a supervising animator. So I was assigned a team, you know, I was casting shots. I was uh, managing the, the sequence, but then also I was leading this character. The villain character. Jeff the Jeff villain, Goldblum. yeah, Jeff Goldblum. In all his forms. Uh, right. The baby, the, <laughs> the adult, and the robot. Yeah, that's it. It's, it's like almost three. Yeah, it's almost uh, like three characters in one, honestly. I don't know if it's uh, because I know that you were come involved with it, but I see some parallel with Dave from yeah, yeah as yeah. well. Just a crazy transition from one pose to the oh, other. Yeah. The super fast change of expression going. And I mean, it, 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 it works really well with... Uh, this style of animation, which is, you know, much more pushed than other, uh, uh, let's say, uh, other f feature at, uh, yeah. at DreamWorks. Uh, but yeah, I I could see some, you know, Ravi's signature <laughs> in there. That's that, that's for, for sure. sure. It's for awesome. sure. And and it's also obviously, you know, it's uh, Tom McGrath directing, and Tom McGrath is also a huge uh, part of the Madagascar franchise. I mean, he's one yeah. of the creators. So, you know, there is parallels in how he sees animation. The inspirations are similar. Um, this character in particular uh, was heavily, heavily, uh, in terms of aesthetics and design, was heavily inspired by, you know, the classic Disney era, especially mm -hmm. Ward Kimball. He was mm -hmm. one of the Nine Old Men. And uh, if you see like the characters is done like Tweedledee, Tweedledum, uh, even mm -hmm. like uh, Jiminy Cricket, uh, the pirate, I think it was one of the, the no, the, was it? there was one character in, in Peter Pan. Well, there are many characters, but there was one of them in particular, the, the uh, um, Captain Hook's minion. What was his name? I oh, geez. I don't, I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I can picture him. I yeah. Remember his name. Uh, so there are all these like classic characters. That, Smeed. Yeah, there you go. Smeed. Nice uh, job, Scott. So, so um, those characters were, you know, the aesthetic of how Ward Kimball would draw. That's something that Tom really wanted to capture. And we really dug into, you know, yeah. okay, we need certain controls for his mouth. It needs to be really broad. And, um, but yeah, uh, there was also in this particular character, uh, I, I think it's my the favorite character I've ever animated in my career because 
of Jeff Goldblum. I mean, it was such <laughs> a such a joy to just look at him in the lipstick cam footage and just yeah. see how he comes up with like, so unique. Like there's such he's got such an iconic. He, I think a lot of it has to do with the cadence of his speech is totally different than anybody else. Yeah. And so that would, right off the bat, would lend itself really well to doing something really unique and interesting with, probably. Yeah. Right? It's the cadence of his speech. It's the, the idiosyncrasies and gestures he has. Yeah. It's uh, the way he, the, the, the eyes, the way his eyes look around it. Yeah. There's so many details mm. that are fascinating. I would spend oh, yeah. days just watching the reference. <laughs> like, wow. Well, actually, we, we have a question from uh, Scott in the chat that is asking exactly that. How much of the, the footage when he was recording the, the voice were actually used for the uh, animation itself? You mean like in the like for us to refer to it and as yes, a, exactly for reference yeah. a lot. I mean a lot, but obviously there are times where you need to push things. <laughs> uh, so that's what I, you know, would would say to animators like this show in particular. Uh, to me, like this show, it was more about not necessarily like um, you know putting Jeff Goldblum's reference in a in an image plane and having it there with you and just you know doing exactly what he does it was a lot about just capturing the gist of it or just like particular elements but then really pushing it uh with mm -hmm. the character because they wanted this like uh, uh you guys saw he's like uh eating sugar and candy all the time he's like in a like uh, almost like uh, imagine gary Oldman in uh what was it leon uh, uh professional Professional, yeah. And when he does that thing where he eats that, that pill or something, he goes, ah, he goes nuts. It's kind of like that. He's like 101% on everything. So this guy is a bit like that. He's like uh, high on cocaine, yeah, his, sugar in this case. <laughs> his knob goes to 11, right? Rather than yeah. the standard 10. Yeah. So, so yeah. I had another question here. So again, like for those who have not, I'm I'm the the odd guy out here. I had I have never worked at DreamWorks, so I don't know what that process looks like. But if you are a supervising animator, the day to day, so you were assigned us a, a team of animators. So you would kind of work as someone who would be doing a first pass filter. Like obviously, you'd get like a probably a sequence, probably right out of the animatic. Like here's your sequence, and you need to then decide who which one of your animators is going to get what shot, and you have to be able to brief them on that shot. And then when they actually get a version. Done, Done, they need to kind of get it through you first before it goes to dailies. Is that basically how that relationship works? Kind of correct. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You're kind it's of like kind a of mini like director that, yeah. that sits on the floor working with the team directly. So you have to make sure that you're you 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 sync up and you understand what the director's looking for so you can help be that voice um on the production floor, basically. Kind of, yeah. I mean, uh there is a I mean, I don't I the director briefs all of us at the same time, and then okay. I just serve more like uh a reminder, uh, a reminder, or a bridge, <laughs> like in, t in terms of you know, uh, keep character consistency and yeah, and just looking at the sequence, you know, just making sure continuity works, making sure uh, a certain emotional state is, is is working in that particular part of the sequence, and right. maybe if he, if the animator does something that doesn't work in that particular part, but that could work for the other part then I'll just be there just to communicate. I have done, you know, it's always tempting when you have these uh, roles as uh, in managerial roles. And, you know, I, I, it's very tempting to just really be very, 
possessive <laughs> about certain mm. things. So, so mm -hmm. I, I, I do, I do acknowledge that I, I was making that mistake as first as a supervisor. I was like, ah, maybe he wouldn't do it this way. He would do it that way. But, um, like this shot in particular, Aris, you know, he was, he's a great animator and we worked together and, you know, we had a difficult time, like trying to capture what Tom wanted and we were back and forth with each other, but he came up with some really fun stuff at the end that every time people see it, people laugh. Mm -hmm. uh, like you need to, like, that's something I learned here uh, compared to like my other experiences supervising in like, let's say India or China where, you know, you are more of a younger crowd and you're all discovering together here at DreamWorks uh, in LA. There's a lot of veterans that know more mm. than you. And mm. the fact that you're uh, leading them doesn't mean that, because that word itself, lead or supervise, is like super mm -hmm. on top, right? But it's not yeah. like that at all. It's more like uh, I need to, you know, make sure I'm just a bridge because I just happened to be working on this character in development earlier. Right. I happen to be more familiar with it, but Got it. I'm just there to help, you know, guide them and stuff. So that, that leads me to ask a question here. Uh, in your mind then, like, because it sounds like that's always a struggle, which I assume it is for most supervisors. I know I struggle with it myself, that balance between, um, you know, get, giving your team some trust and a chance to come up with something that they can own um, versus, you know, you know, you feeling like you're supposed to be showing them the way and have to find that little sweet spot, like in your mind, like what, like, how do you handle a situation when you have an animator come to you and pitch you something that's radically different than like, than what the, you know, what the brief says, even what, you know, even, even pushes the envelope a little bit on how the shot is already structured, but there's something about you that feels like, man, this is actually kind of a hot idea. Like, how do you, how do you, how do you handle that? Like, do you have to end up going to the, to the like, will you have you found yourself going to the director and actually pitching some of these ideas that come from your animators to sort of change things a little bit? <laughs> uh, it's a good, it's a great question, and uh, I've been learning that myself. Okay, so, right. So, um, and Boss Baby in particular was a film where Tom is somebody who has the whole. He, it's incredible. He has the entire movie in his head. So in a way, and in the case of this project was more about our job was to get it to his head. <laughs> Pretty much all of us, all the departments, it was all about just getting into Tom's head, trying to visualize what he has in mind. Uh, mm. And then if you want to add on top something that pushes that, then for sure. Uh, normally, if it was me, I would, you know, uh, and again, I, I'm learning this as I, you know, as I, do my supervising duties. Um, uh, I would love to like encourage the animator to just present his idea and then just get it from the director, and then from there we work together, you know, consecutively. But the animator could potentially benefit from just no filter at first and just presenting the idea. But because uh, this particular project. Um, I, 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 you know, the way I can explain it is like aesthetics really contribute to the performance. Like the way you pose the character is really part of the performance and a lot of silhouette value, a lot of aesthetics that even Tom pays attention to those details because Tom at heart is an animator himself. So in this particular project, we had to have a balance. We had to like 
have a first pass of okay let's look at it together is this working for this particular character or not you know and maybe i'll suggest something uh maybe i'll suggest something different um but uh yeah it, it depended on the case as well so uh if i if i have the confidence that this is really off mm-hmm. um I would like try to tell the animator at least, you know, and if he doesn't have the time because of production schedule, just I would be like, okay, just show it. We can caveat that, you know, uh, we talked about it and maybe it was my opinion that it didn't work. And then the way we would do it, because it was all like most of the movie was done remotely anyway. So we would have like uh, rounds, right? Like with the Hoka and, and, and the team and the other soups. So everybody chimes in and maybe the other soups would be like, well, I think actually it works. It's fine. You know? So then you're like, okay, uh, that's that's fair. You know, if 20 people are fine with it and you're just the one being very, <laughs> you know, possessive about it, then it it doesn't make sense. So well, that's an interesting way of dealing with it. That way, you don't have to be the one. It's all on you. You can allow it to be a bit more democratic, right? So yeah. So be, yeah. Yeah, it's that balance, right? Uh, yeah. And it depends on the projects. Like for example, on Penguins of Madagascar, it wasn't like that. It was more like because of how Olivier managed it. It was mostly, you know, I was leading this character and I could even like uh, voice out any any performance choices. Mm. Uh, and, and you know, everybody would look into that and try it at least. It was a, <coughs> it depends on the project really. Yeah, um, so that, so you're saying just because Olivier's style was a little bit more like he left a lot more room for people to be a little, like just to, to suggest a bunch of ideas where other directors are a bit more directive is basically, it's like different personalities, different ways of working. Different personalities. I mean, Dan Wagner was amazing too. Uh, he trusted me so much. I will be- I can't see again, why. Forever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know how it happened. The, but, the funny uh, thing is I'm being sarcastic and poor Ravi's actually not, but it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> no but seriously it was like uh, again this mm-hmm. is a blessing everything is such a privilege to to do this kind of thing and dan really trusted me a lot by the especially by the end uh it felt like okay i could like really you know just tell the animator because i was more confident with the character and everything mm-hmm. what would be needed i would provide drawers and everything um but yeah, I and then I I like I love I don't like to normally just you know just give you feedback and I'm done. I want to see the animator's face. I want to discuss. I want to talk to the animator. I want to be more live, like a because I I I'm wrong a lot of times and I wanna I want the animator to tell me. Well, you know, actually, I was thinking of this instead, like uh, because maybe what you're suggesting is a bit you know more a bit too much for that shot or something i want the the dialogue i really enjoy that more than just uh i'm not uh you know it doesn't mean that i know more than you never uh it's more about just working together and Mm -hmm. just Mm -hmm. the privilege of just you know uh, getting into the animator's mind and and yeah. also in terms of casting, I would try to cast whatever they want. Obviously, sometimes as you go in the production, uh, it's tough, right? Because uh, I'm just laughing at that and... pose. That pose that <laughs> he's in when he's looking, leaning in the chair, looking at the screens behind him is just so hilarious. That's uh, Prashant right there. It's really? The, it's so amazing. One of the best animators in the studio. Is, well, uh, one of the things that you mentioned, Ravi, is that you know you try to give the, 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 the shots to uh, the 
you, you try to please every animator with the, the shot that they have. But I have to say that at, uh, at DreamWorks, it's something that is maybe easier to do than other places because yeah. I, there's no bad animator around you. <laughs> there's just, <laughs> <be> nice. there's <laughs> just great and even greater an animator. Uh, exactly. Uh, true, true. You. That's very true. You are like, as, yeah, exactly. You're, um, yeah. Uh, you're benefiting from a very experienced team already. Yeah, you, otherwise it's tough. Uh, so, uh, Re Revia, I know that uh, you had a third uh, clip that mm. we uh, that, that we could uh, show, and this one is so maybe for those that are more familiar with uh, uh, Agora, it would be the, the the clip that would start when you go on the uh, the, the, the website. This little fat cowboy animation. Um, I think maybe just recap the, the 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 story because from what I remember, you went to see the Spider Verse got super inspired, like, oh my God, I have to create something. It just happened that we had discussed that, hey, Ravi, we have this new character rig if you want to, you know, just play around with it. Uh, <laughs> and then came back saying, hey, guys, can I do something with it? Uh, yeah. And, and then, you know, the rest is... It's obviously a really big mistake because yeah, what I'm about exactly. to show you is really terrible. <laughs> fun, fun fact: when I when I saw this, I was just floored. Like, there's something about this character that it's just like I knew the rig was good, but like I whoever took it, I didn't know it was Ravi at the time. Just like pushed the absolute limit of the envelope oh, he, of this he thing. He broke it in every possible way that you can break a rig. Uh, I'm, sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, you guys. It. I gave you so much. <laughs> There's a lot of CFX artists that suffered for. I know. <laughs> I I apologize to every. Yeah. Oh crap! I gotta fix it. There we go. One sec. There we go. Oh. oh, never wants to go to the right spot. Here we go. Sorry, I made it kill the conversation. <laughs> Maybe you can remove the, the I'm doing it. So, and it's pretty impressive how the animation is almost exactly like the line test. That it's crazy. In the beginning. So was it like one shot or you did different version of the line test until you had something? Because on top of that, even in the line test, you did the little uh, mm. 360 degrees, which was probably one of the only direction that we're given that hey that would be cool if it could loop like as if it was on a circle or something so you know yeah. just do this and the rest was like do whatever you you want uh but how much did you rework the, this line test or it's just like a one shot and uh, you just went with no uh, no i explored a lot but th this one for example you see like this is what i mean by like i i talk more about mindset than workflow because i didn't have an order so i would like I, I was acting it out in front of a mirror. I would do reference of just certain ideas. And then I would draw it, come back, act it out. So it was very organic. Um, I would pay and, money, by the way, to see your video recordings. I would pay money. Oh, no. God. And I'm not the only one who would pay money. I'm I usually, sure. like, I don't even keep them. That's how ashamed I am. <laughs> I, mean, your reference, I just, like, yeah. I just do it once, done. Yeah. Uh, but clearly uh, they they were completely invaluable here. I mean, I mean, what I mean by that is, is, is you might be ashamed of it, but clearly it was part of the process and it, yeah, yeah, yeah. there's magic there somewhere. 
there is like the the information of you know the the way angle changes happen or the mm. spacing of things that okay. really helps to use video reference. Yeah, I I I do use video reference. I mean, mm. it's it's very it's a I mean it's a standard in the industry, right? And yeah. it's invaluable. Um, it's just tailoring it to whatever style you work on. Like I always. Um, uh, and again, this is just me. It's my way of like whenever I talk about animation to students, especially and people in general, I always put this picture of uh, I think it was the tit the Greek Titan was it Sisyphus? I think it was Sisyphus. He's like uh, pushing the rock in a hill upwards, oh. and the rock always comes back down, and he has to push it again. It's this eternal cycle of punishment he has. And I always put this picture of. Okay, what is and what does animation mean for me? And I just put that picture, but Sisyphus is just pushing this giant rock where you see all this terminology like the twelve principles of animation, uh, composition, rhythm, texture, acting, silhouette, uh, everything you can imagine that we talk in animation jargon, anything and everything, just in that rock, and you're just pushing it, and you never reach the the peak. You're always coming back down and pushing it back up. And it's because you have so much to digest. And especially if you're a student, like workflow, yeah, it's 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 essential as a student. But then as you move forward, you need to also develop like sensibility and connect with the with the character's personality and the sensibility of the show, the direction where the animation style is going and all that. So adaptability, building that adaptability is important. And um so Doing these like different workflows and trying different things is kind of how I do it. I I will work very differently on how to train your dragon compared to Boss Baby. Like on Dragons, I was doing like a, a, a video reference salad, that the salad bowl of video reference. Like I would just have tons of like references. You know, a, a dragon can like a, a, a creature like a dragon can move. In, it's a byproduct of various inspirations, right? Like it can move, like part, certain part of the of the body moves like a bird, and then the legs can move like a like a mammal, and you can come up with these creative choices, and and um, and it, but it's very nuanced, it's very realistic, it's very grounded, so you really need that reference in there. Uh, yeah. The thing that floors me the most about this animation is just how how like and this is something that I feel like 3D stuff you know, rigs usually suffer from a lot is things feel too rigid, but like there's so much volume uh, control in here that like things are shifting and things are moving and overlapping. And I don't mean limbs overlapping. I mean, quite literally masses overlapping. And, um, it's Maybe I just, a bit too much. You know? No, no, God, no. <laughs> I wish I saw more of this kind of stuff on characters. Cause it just, it seems sorely lacking. Like there's uh -huh. just that, that extra dimension that you usually only see in 2d. And I really feel that that 2d really infiltrated. Like you could see, the line test it's funny because i would expect to even see like you 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 took you took it even further than the 2d did you know which is i which is crazy to me because that's usually where you, you the only place you can usually see really good flexibility and elasticity to the character model is usually in the 2d but it's it's unbelievable yeah. for, for me that that's a one of the big advantage of starting with those line tests you're not constrained by mm. by the rig so you're just mm -hmm. constrained by you know your own imagination so you kind of tend to sometimes when you start with a cg character kind of mm. mentally you you it's almost like you don't want to break it so you're not yeah. as yeah you know yeah. Uh, as pushed and as stylized as when you go in 2d 
you don't really care and they're like oh how do i now match that but now you have a frame of reference to, to yeah kind of go along. that's exactly yeah dave you you hit it there i think that's exactly the reason i feel uh, uh motivated to do that because i i just feel so blocked if i just have to deal with this stiff thing yeah. in the screen like a t-pose like that or and um I have to thank Jason Ryan actually for this because I remember when I was, I struggle and I still do with uh, animation in CG for the longest time. And and Jason with the JR, JRA or JRA demos, mm -hmm. he, he does those JRA. demos live. And does he still do it? I haven't checked with him in a long time. But I'm I, pretty sure he did. He, he still yeah. does. He still he does. does it, right? Once a week, it's I think. Crazy. Crazy. Yeah, it, it was the thing. Once a week, he does this demo and, you know, just animates a, a new shot or continue animation. Oh, ah, yeah. that's incredible. That's incredible. Yeah. And and he really opened my brain like, geez, that it made it look a bit easier because I used to draw already. I never animated in 2D or anything, but I used to draw scribbles. So I'm like, okay, what if I time those scribbles and see what happens? <laughs> and it turns out it, it really clicked and... Um, and yeah, it's it's. Uh, but again, like I said, it's it's not for every shot. Like uh, obviously, um, depends on the style mm. and everything. But it's funny. I noticed something after having watched this about I don't know ten times. I I, I never I never noticed it the first few. Um, on the left hand side, there clearly was an idea that he was scared of something, but then it looked like a a bee or something flying, like something close to him, like a little butt. Like, but, yeah, yeah. but that obviously that, that didn't show up in the final version. Instead, it was indicated with sort of off camera audio of birds flapping around, but yeah. it's, uh, it's, it's, it's funny that that's, there's still remnants there of it right here. Watch. It's going to come in right now. And then it zips yeah, around, he scares them. And then, and then it ends up kind of getting stuck right here, there. I guess at that point he would have just flew out of the, out of the shot. But that, so that was an idea that was sort of, I guess, so did you, the audio was done afterwards? I then, I guess, I assume to this, this clip. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, you guys took over the audio, right, David? Like, yeah. Did yeah. We did a little audio and, pass and we had a Kemi who had a little bit of fun with, uh, with this one. <laughs> did a little bit of, you know, the, 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 the flash and the guns mm -hmm. and the, mm -hmm. uh, little... yeah. CFX, the, the hair, the rendering, but you know, the heavy lifting was definitely already done. We just had to unbreak a little bit the, the, the rig so it was at least renderable. <laughs> and then after that, <laughs> yeah, I have to apologize to the CFX artists and everyone involved. <laughs> apologies accepted. <laughs> yeah, it was such a tough one. But, uh, and shout out to Pierre too, because it was his design, you know? Yeah. It's yeah, really appealing. Pierre, again, we said that we're not supposed oh, to. Oh, yeah, sorry. I should Pierre not say again. his name anymore. <laughs> he, he keeps on coming back in the history. <laughs> we, just can't, we just can't get rid of this guy. He's like, he's he's haunting every one of these conversations. No, and, and him and Olivier are two of those people that will yeah, uh, come back. Rockets in the industry, very inspiring people. And yeah, yeah. Uh, we're trying to keep the last few minutes of this stream if anyone has question uh, in the chat. So chat now would be the time if you have a, a question. Uh, in the meantime, I'll, I'll have one for, for you, Ravi. Do you, because, you know, we do those Q&A with Brent and we have often questions from the, 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 the public. Uh, there's one that, that we had recently that I wanted to, to ask you. Uh, do you get unmotivated at times when you're working? And if so, what do you... Do you have tricks? What do you do to keep your motivation? Because as you said, and I completely agree with the analogy of this 
pushing the, the rock. As soon as you're done and you're happy with the shot, you start over and, you know, the <laughs> imposter syndrome is coming back and you deal with all the stages of grief of this animation until you're, you're done. Yeah. Uh, how do you deal with uh, a lack of motivation if that ever happens to you? Yeah, it does happen very often. Um, and usually because, yeah, I'm not able to keep up with what's required, right? That's that, that I, I am a... I I am a champion of uh, imposter syndrome. <laughs> I, I really don't feel comfortable, and but it in a way it's part of the journey. Like I push myself not to be comfortable. Um, mm-hmm. To deal with that, I mean, oh, um, I don't have like a perfect formula or solution. But you know, usually either uh, I you know I just disconnect. I just do some sports or something, just disconnect completely and then come back with fresher eyes. And over the years, you kind of build a sense of confidence that, okay, it's not working now, but if I rest, I'll be able to catch up and and do something that could potentially work. Um, I also, I think sometimes out of frustration, I animate more or something else. <laughs> <laughs> so that works for me not for everybody but uh yeah. just uh you know out of like just to keep my eyes still like in the animation groove i'll try something else but not always i mean it depends mm-hmm. um yeah i don't have like a perfect solution um it's mostly yeah just taking a break uh chill pill you know uh yeah just. And then, and then, yeah, just reaching out to others. If you know people who can see your shot and fresher eyes, just give you pointers. If there's a trait that that is common between more than two or three people, you know, okay, that's an essential fix I need to address. So, mm-hmm. yeah. cool. oh, Brent, you're muted. Yeah, sorry. Do you want me to bring up this next question? Yeah, one sure. Here. Okay, mm-hmm. so we got one from um, Andrian, Andrian B. With shots such as the octopus shot where you're doing a 2D pass, do you ever draw something and then realize that you have to cheat it in 3D? Do you usually cheat or adjust your idea when this happens? Yeah, that's a good question. I I cheat, um, but the cheat needs to make sense in a way. Like uh, uh, I don't do, for example, you know, you just like spinning 360 degree one control over a frame that stuff it's just gonna break people's heads when you pass it to a different department but you can there's cheats in terms of uh showcasing a certain particular angle of a pose just because it looks aesthetically better again depends on the project in something like dragons i wouldn't do that because it's way more realistic and the physics of the cfx and the simulation really need to accommodate to that but when it's something broad and you have to hold poses and really spend your, so so uh, cheat, um, yeah, cheating. A lot of people say you know it's like oh, it's really bad. Don't cheat, don't cheat. But I think even in in like in live action, a lot of times certain elements are cheated, right, for the sake of uh, a good aesthetic or a, or a good composition or. Yeah. Uh, so I do cheat, uh, but obviously I will ask as well. Like for example, Boss Baby, I was doing that a lot with the head of CFX, Matthias, which was a blessing to work with. Really cool guy. And I would ask him. I would just bring him on, and I would ask, him, "Hey, so I'm. I really want to get this shape, this particular shape on this arm uh, and this hand pose. 
uh, but I'm, you know, I'm, I, I feel like I need to break the rig a little bit here. It, would that be okay with you guys when I pass it along? And, and sometimes we'd be like, no, this is a bit too much. Just reduce that or yeah, sure. That's, mm -hmm. that's totally cool. Um, so yeah, it, it's fine, but within reason and you have to like double check with everybody. That's the main thing. Um, yep. that's a really smart idea. I think a lot of people, um, would probably thank you for that because I think there's a lot of animators who just cheat anyways and then just let other people figure it out. But the idea of going and asking the riggers or the character finaling department and or the lighting department, the people that you might be sabotaging with the cheat, always double checking with them is probably a really smart idea. Otherwise, you may not even know that you're causing all kinds of angst and anxiety. Yeah, because yeah. once the shot gets approved, there's probably, they don't want to be the, the department that then says, oh, uh, you know what, I have to you know stop the show here. Um, so they might just work overtime to get the shot done. So it's a yeah. smart idea. It's good, good advice to go at least double check. And uh, the advice comes out of because I was making that mistake. I was like cheating in the past, and then I, mm. you know, I didn't know how everything worked. And that's like yeah. red flag. Oh, change this, change that. I'm like, oh. Yeah, you were uh, probably like, if I don't see it from the camera angle, it, yeah. it doesn't matter if I just stretch the character. Yeah. Like exactly. No. So and those those are the kind of cheats I avoid. Like, let's say you have a quadruped and you have a certain angle and you don't see the hip and you just want to see the hip and you just push it back in space. Yeah. That I tend to avoid, obviously. But mm -hmm. if it's like an angle change that, you know, just on that angle, maybe it's, it looks a, it looks fine, but then you tumble the camera and it looks a bit twisted <laughs> like this. As long as not breaking things too much or causing trouble over like a frame and the motion looks weird and all that, then it's generally okay but again you need to check uh, well sometimes you don't know how things might show up like shadows for instance can play a shadows. serious role in in revealing something that you don't see as an animator in the play blast but later on in the final shot with some lighting it's suddenly you're like oh that cheek exactly, is yeah. kind of revealed you know yeah so, yeah yeah you need to be careful you need to be yeah. careful and obviously yeah exactly lighting i mean thankfully nowadays we have like good tech to you know check beforehand like our renders and motion blur and all these yeah. things are way easier well at least in a place like dreamworks um but uh yeah you i mean again i apologize with the agora <laughs> cowboy test because i know <laughs> you guys went through that stuff uh so yeah that's the proof i do cheat yes um, um I, well but me, that's will, the price will really Certain people will hate me, but uh, it's but I don't like cheat. Yeah, so, sorry. Sorry, go, Ravi. I keep trying to. I, I keep. <laughs> no, I was going to say I, I wouldn't cheat I if it was like realistic, right? That's what I'm trying to say. Like, if it's like very grounded animation and yeah, it needs to be very faithful to to you know realistic motion and 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 sincere and all that. You you shouldn't cheat in those cases as much as you can. I was just trying to say that the. It, I think it's the price you have to pay to get that kind of look, right? Like it's the probably the end of the day, rigs are only so flexible. And um, if you're really going for a look that is going to feel 2D, there's going to need to be some cheating because that's what makes it stand out and look that's iconic. That's what I mean. Feel yeah. Like yeah. the envelopes being pushed. Like there's not really, and, and sometimes the, you know, that kind of cheating, if the rigger, if you have a good department of riggers, they're going to start adapting the rig to allow for some of those cheats to not break things, you know? Yeah. And I think that you will always need animators to be able to push that envelope. Otherwise, things just feel rigid and safe and they don't yeah. start to encroach that new fresh area that uh, you're clearly very comfortable exploring. Yeah. I got another question here. Um, when you're doing your shot in 2D at the start, what goes through your head? Like, what are you trying to figure out before moving to 3D? Like, what are the specific things? Wow. 
Uh, I guess it depends really, on the shot, probably. But it depends on the shot. I always say that it's a very frustrating answer, but that's what it is. <laughs> I, that's why I talk about again. That's why I bring up. So um, this is like something I again something I tell uh, students, especially, but a lot of people. It's just my way of understanding animation for me how it works. If you look at like the graph editor, right? You see, you have your keyframes, you have, and you have the curve going through time. Um, each keyframe represents what you would say your pose, right? Your key poses. The motion, the shape of that <clears throat> curve is your spacing, like what happens in between the accelerations and decelerations of that motion. And then the timing is when those keyframes uh, land in time. And that triangle of concept, like, uh, like, Posing, timing, spacing, that's what I play with a lot. So what I do with the 2D pass and reference and all that is what happens before that. But, you know, their ideas, the, like the, the, the nuances of a reference, if I, if I did video reference, is trying to capture all those things. And uh, staging is a big part, too. I really like to think about staging as much as I can. Uh, a silhouette value, a particular expression that I can hold for a certain amount of time. All those explorations happen in that 2D phase. And then in CG, it's all a matter of playing with those three elements in the graph editor and, and well, I mean, and posing the character, of course, and, and just materializing those ideas. That's kind of how... Yeah, I, so it's almost getting rid of, let's get rid of all the complicated technical aspect mm. of animation let's yeah. just focus on the idea on a you know pencil and paper quote unquote yeah and then when it's figured out okay now let's go into this more complex yeah. uh, system that involves the computer the software the limitations exactly. the curves and, and all that because it's it's easy to me just mesmerized by all of those motion curves and forget about the essence of what you're trying to yeah do. and uh, oh, it's it's essentially trying to simplify that rock that you have to push as much mm. as you can because there's so sense. much stuff to, to keep in mind I, I I describe my blocking because I I'm one of those people who really like using stepped um, at the mm -hmm. beginning and that's exactly why I I do it is because it simplifies you could just worry about posing and timing and the staging all those things that are super important to the creativity of that the essence of the shot and then you can sort of figure out the technical details um, after you know what you want, which yeah. can be obviously can lead to problems sometimes because you might realize those technical problems you've just set up for yourself could be uh, a bit, a big, a bit of a test, but at least you weren't limited. Now, you know, that's the blue sky version of the shot. If you have to compromise, okay, but like you try not to, right. You try to make the shot work. Yeah. It's tough because yeah, like you said, like sometimes what happens, you do, you spend all this time and then, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, the idea is totally off and it's different. So yeah. I, when, when I, there is certain confidence you build in, in certain types of situations that you can for sure go for something and pitch it and you know really own it but there are occasions where you're a bit unsure okay maybe this option will work and that option will work so uh that's why i don't do 2d for everything it's mm -hmm. uh it depends it depends mm -hmm. on the shot and um and it's also yeah like that that phase of like what you said about your blocking instead uh, brent i think I would consider my 2D pass almost like a blocking. Mm -hmm. And then I just animate straight ahead. That's yeah. how I've been doing it lately. Again, it has evolved over the years. I, I used to do step blocking too and then mm. go through the phases. But my 2D has evolved to such a way that I can 
consider that as a step blocking almost, and then I can go Makes ahead. Sense. I, ahead. You said something earlier in the stream that I think would be important to call out again here, and that is um, the success of a 2D block like this is sometimes in you know intrinsically connected to the uh, the familiarity of the rig because what you don't want to do is stage out this crazy complex sequence like the octopus scene for instance yeah. from from penguins um, if you like if you had ideas that were not at even even remotely connected to what the reality is on the octopus side you might just be dreaming by yeah. you know this whole an amazing idea you sold it to your supervisor and then you're like oh no because you realize the rig won't let you do any of the things that you were hoping it could do yeah. but a lot of these things is like how how far can your character reach for instance things like this can be very severely um um can really can really screw you in the end if you don't have a pretty good understanding of what it can and can't exactly. do exactly and uh, somebody told i think it was Nico one of my supervisors at the time and he he said something that stuck in my head for years and he used to say uh if you the the more you know how to draw the character the better you will feel mm. animating it mm. and that's like a very uh, that that seems like a quote very applicable in traditional animation mm. but it somehow for me has worked in cg because then you're cross-checking the rig and you're mm. saying okay how much can i push and then you you draw a particular pose and like, can I really do this? And then you just quickly try certain controls. Mm. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. And you have to come with another mm -hmm. solution. So it's... Uh, well, that's interesting. So you do that on the, while you're planning it out sometimes. If you're really worried, you'd be like, I should double check on this and go over yeah, it. Yeah, I do. That's interesting. Exactly. I, I literally sometimes do, uh, like I redo the layout again, just to make oh, okay. sure, right? If a okay. character has to cover a certain space or mm. has to do a certain move, I'll do just quickly take the global control of the body i'll just do a quickly like a layout pass see my curves if it makes sense or not and then based on that i will layer on top all those details and pause the character where it needs to to hold the pose um uh again and and yeah workflow this is where workflow is important where you need to keep things clean so that you know you have to adapt to changes right yeah. that's where workflow is very important and uh but I think when you tap into the seed of the mindset you have to adopt uh, for that particular requirement, then that technicality can develop. Because I'm, I'm not, I don't consider myself a very technical animator, uh, but you know, tackling an octopi and a, and a, and a baby in a robot suit <laughs> and like three rigs in one, and yeah. you have yeah. to develop these technical like uh, ways of working. Mm. But it all comes down as a byproduct of you trying to search, like what's you know what what would work in animation. Yeah, I think I would, yeah. it's interesting that you don't consider yourself technical because at the end of the day, I don't think many animators do. But at the, but but we are we do need to become at least familiar and somewhat comfortable with the technical parts of the job because it's just part of the job. It's and part of the job. Be, yeah, you'll be limited. It's sort of like trying to be a two D animator but not having good structural drawing true, skills. True. It's I, I I started as a two D animator and I still remember that feeling of like wanting to act out a shot in a certain way, but literally choosing the easier route because I wasn't comfortable drawing that other way and yeah, that yeah. sucks right that feeling and it's the same thing for 3d if you don't feel like and i'm i'm sure everyone listening right now who's got some 3d experience will will be able to attest to this lots of ideas die at the hands of like ooh, i don't know and i got that it's due tomorrow should i you know like and, and it's <laughs> it's too bad really right because it's a lot of 
lot of things, good ideas die because of that. So I think always remembering to work that muscle to be able to feel like you can be comfortable technically yeah, is, uh, is a absolutely. good idea. It's essential. I mean, yeah, you're right. Like the basics of, you know, how how a computer interpolates your rig or how certain rig works, the, the, the things you can and you cannot do, what's going to explode the deformations, all that stuff you need to really know. Absolutely. Well. Um, so yeah. uh, we're almost out of time. Um, we This last question was designed for, with one specific purpose, I think, and is to make you blush. Um, <laughs> This oh, is God. this this is As Scott's, if I'm not blushing enough yeah. already. <laughs> Scott's Scott's our community manager, and he he threw this question out here because I think it's a good good way to give a quick shout out to just how talented you truly are, Ravi. When you were nominated for an Annie, just he says casually, what was that like, and how does one oh. even get nominated for something like that? Yeah, how did your imposter syndrome <laughs> yeah. deal with that's, being yeah. nominated for that's, uh, that's my, a tricky one. Of animation? My my. Well, uh, first of all, I got the notice like super r uh, unexpectedly because uh, I was of traveling. Of course, because you're Ravi. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's on brand with someone as beautifully modest as you are. <laughs> no, honestly, I I never looked for that stuff, and and I was traveling at the time. Like we had finished uh, the project, and I was traveling all over India with my wife, and then I just got a random email saying, "Congrats, you got nominated for an Annie," and I. The first thought was, uh, you just got me confused with something else. <laughs> you know, of, course, like, of course. I saw like, what was it? Wrong Ravi. That, in that year, I think it was um, Travis Knight from Laika and there's all these amazing people. There were a couple of nominees from Dragons too, <laughs> I think. And I was like, this is wrong. I mean, what the, what the mm -hmm. heck is going on? And then I, I, I would double check and triple check and quadru check and just check every possible publishing text that was out there to make sure. And I, was, wow. I couldn't believe it. So you wouldn't uh, even allow yourself to be excited and to, to accept the praise until you double, triple, quadruple verified that you were, of, it was specific, of, yeah. like, cause you know, making sure there wasn't another Ravi Comblay Govind out there <laughs> getting an, you know, like just wanted to make sure you don't want to God, you know, God forbid you take, you know, you know, take praise for someone else, you know, some other Ravi animators, uh, beautiful work. That's funny. <laughs> this was recently, right? How long ago was this? No, it was quite a while. It's 2014, I think. Oh, okay. All right. I thought it was a little uh, more recent. So, uh, I mean, uh, yeah, I was like, um, I like, yes, I know how to animate. <laughs> I don't know. I guess I, I can, you were I can call myself. to accept it. Yeah. Yeah. Was forced to accept so uh, I, yeah. the, the second part of this question, because I don't know the answer to the question either. Like, how does one get nominated? Is like, is there someone has to put your name in a hat or something? Like, how does that work? Annie's versus uh, like Academy Awards. And I, it's, uh, I don't really know exactly. Uh, okay. the, ba the basic thing from my understanding uh, is that, first of all, you do great work. That's the number one thing. You just have a lot of great shots, you know, that you can put together in a reel. Uh, in the case of DreamWorks, I believe DreamWorks, you know, they they usually, it, it didn't happen in India, but, uh, you know, it happens here in LA, what I've seen, right? Like, like DreamWorks, the leadership will send an email around saying, hey guys, so uh, whoever wants to submit their shots for their Annie's, they're welcome mm -hmm. to put their reel together. <clears throat> Send it to us to the to the animation heads, and, okay. and we'll have like a look at all the submissions, and we'll choose what's uh, more qualified, and we'll send a few uh, to represent DreamWorks uh, as part of the Annie's that year. Um, 
And I don't know in the past, I believe there were like voting processes internally as well, but I don't know. I, I'm not sure. For now, what I know is that the, the, the animation has the leadership takes a look and they decide. Then uh, that gets sent to like the editorial team in the studio and they will, it sometimes depends on the project too. Sometimes um, uh, the director might be involved or the producer might be involved um, in editing your reel and editing your work and doing the submission. And that's it. And then from there, the studio sends it and you are... You, you still have to go through the jury and right. make sure, you know, just see if they're if you're nominated or not. But if that doesn't happen and you still want to submit, um, people are free to like, you know, just register in the Annie's in the Asifa website and pay the fee and just submit right. the real. And- so so how did you like so you were you seem surprised by this? Did someone nominate you on behalf like on their on, like, uh, like how did... Olive, oh, thanks to Olivier because Olivier oh, wow. all, uh, he, okay. he was super nice. Like he, you know, represented me and I, I don't know. I mean he must have fought for, you know, like hey, <laughs> what a nice surprise. This. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. And um so it was mostly, yeah, like a case of it it all parts from the fact that you you just do work that is you know uh, outstanding in, in in terms of you know what what's being made in the project and and the leadership recognizing that got it will watch for you uh, so yeah I was lucky I I'm sorry That's it's cool. a frustrating answer <laughs> no <laughs> uh, very lucky I mean I and again it's like this the annual awards stuff is super fun uh, but. You know, as much as it says individual achievement in character animation, at the end is it's teamwork. It's all mm-hmm. teamwork. It's all just a byproduct of working with others, learning from your peers, from your soups, from the director. Uh, yeah. So it, it's. Uh, I think that project was pretty special, and what came out of it turned mm-hmm. out to be this nomination. Uh, Amen. Well, we are at time. Um, I just wanted to take a second to thank you, Ravi, for um, your your generosity of being here today with us, hanging out, talking about animation, talking about what it's like being you, and um, and uh, and and uh, David also. Thank you for being here, and Chat. Thank you for being here. Um, as a quick reminder, I just wanted to just r- remind everybody that Ravi is actually available for reviews as an expert. Um, so if you're ever wanting to have one of these famous, these legendary in-depth reviews that Ravi is uh, serving up on silver platters, then you know where to go. So. <laughs> where do they go, Brent? <laughs> well, they, they head over, they head, they head right over to Agora.community, which I think most of you people watching probably know where to go. And uh, the order a review button is conveniently located at the top of the interface. I don't remember exactly where, but it's over there somewhere. You'll find That's it. Right. Wow. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Somewhere. But yeah, it's pretty easy to do so. And um, yeah, I mean, I'm not trying to peer pressure anybody, but, you know, frankly, if I were a fledgling animator trying to learn how the, my ropes, I, I would be blessed to have someone like um, Ravi's brain pouring over my shot and giving me the uh, the kind of pro tips that, oh, man. that he's got coming, are... oozing out of him. <laughs> You guys okay, are you're so done. nice. You're yeah. done, Ravi. The, the torture is over. <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, you're free. You know, you no longer have to be tortured with our our praise and our in our. <laughs> I know it's been a difficult one. This is kryptonite for for a modest person. Has got to be like you know, not probably. This hasn't been easy for you, I'm sure. 
No, it was it was really fun, and I just Good. wanted to say, you know, like uh, thanks to all the people who attended. It's, it's you know, it's wonderful to see like all the participation and 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 the enthusiasm. I love that, and I'm just thankful for being part of the Agora reviewers roster. I mean, the, like you got some really amazing mentors there and expert people, and just being with them reviewing stuff is. It's an honor, we, really. So. We we have amazing animator and and we have Ravi as well. No, you know, we... <laughs> yeah, Ravi, like he he barely made the cut. This guy, like, uh, it was like we were feeling extra actually. Generous. I don't think he made it. He, he replaced someone that was sick or oh, that's right, like, that's oh, right. Yeah, and then yeah, we just yeah. didn't know how to say, you know, yeah, yeah. we just kind of we just he just kind of stuck around. Yeah, we don't. <laughs> Sorry for being just a substitute. <laughs> um, I have this crazy. Just, I, if you can have a last second uh, question, just because it's got, he asked it earlier and I forgot. I forgot to scroll up, look for it. This can be easily answered, I think. Basically, Sergey wants to have an idea. Sergey Shutko wants to know because um, he does a little teaching on the side himself. How long does it take for you to make those those epic reviews? Oh, uh, like be honest. I, I do. I mean, I do like to spend my time, yeah, uh, just to make justice to, to the person who's submitting, right? Um, ballpark. Uh, <laughs> a couple hours, maybe. Wow. Of hours, maybe. Well, it, it shows because, I mean, there's a lot of drawings in some of these reviews. And I mean, I don't want to oversell Ravi either because, I mean, he's not always going to have that much time to put into your review. So if you book him, guaranteed, knowing Ravi, you're going to get some beautiful drawings out of it. But, um, <laughs> you know, I don't want to. I'm, I'm trying to, like, uh, just keep it more brief because I, yeah. I maybe people do get tired of my blabbing <laughs> for no, hours. No, so, I doubt it. Uh, um, but uh, yeah, it's it's a blast. It's a blast to do those cool. reviews. So uh, okay. anyone, yeah. I'm gonna read. I'm gonna officially let you both go. I just I, I just wanted to squeak that last one in there because I felt bad I didn't ask it earlier. David, thank you. Ravi, you're awesome. Thank you. Thank you, Brent. Oh, thank it's you, been amazing. We'll Wonderful. see you on the next one, everybody. Thanks, Hi, thank you, guys. Yeah. Bye, bye. I, I hid myself instead of you guys. I suck at this. Bye, guys. <laughs> um, yeah, so I know I said it already, but I'll say it again. Um, definitely, uh, Ravi's reviews are awesome. So if you are looking for that kind of an in-depth review, then you know where to find it. Um, sorry for those, if, if you were, there were more, I know that there's at least one of you watching on YouTube. Apparently when we had uh, one of the clips up, uh, it got copyright struck down or something like that because we were playing a clip. I, I, I've always thought that it was relatively safe when you have other talking faces over it. Cause we're clearly demonstrating something, but, um, I don't know. I'll have to obviously do a little looking into that. Um, but, uh, sorry if it was, if the, if the, if the stream was, was interrupted because of, uh, because of that, um, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll get to the bottom of it. Uh, maybe there's some rules that we need to, or maybe there's a way around it so that, that we can avoid it. Um, so thanks for being here today, everybody. We'll see you on the next stream. Um, there's, um, an amazing thing happening this week on Thursday evening where we're going to be doing a little chat with, uh, we're having uh, Robert, uh, or so Robert, wow. Um, Daryl Purdy, Robert, I think it's, it's actually because it's, I think it's Robert Daryl Purdy. I think it's his actual full name. I think it's where that Robert came from, but Daryl and, um, and Seb, um, uh, Seb was the technical animation director on Guardians of the Galaxy the game uh, coming out of IDOS Montreal. So the both of them are coming, uh, well, Daryl's coming back and Seb's going to join us. And we're going to talk a little bit more about some specifics on the making of that. We have a bunch of clips we'd like to play 
Um, and they'll talk a little bit about, you know, anecdotally about uh, what went on, uh, what, you know, what it took to, to take on some of these, these very complex sequences, because it was a, it was a, um, you know, ensemble cast. And so motion or performance capturing that many people at the same time does come with its own logistical nightmares to solve. So it'll be interesting to pick their brain a little bit. So that's happening Thursday evening. I don't remember the exact time, but uh, you can get that information on our live page, agora.community slash live. You can see the schedule right there and you'll be able to Make sure you join on time. Until then, see you guys around. Cheers. Thanks for listening to this episode. We hope you got a lot out of it. Agora Community is a free resource for artists in the animation, visual effects, and gaming industries, providing daily educational material, free rigs, and assets. We also have a range of experts you can purchase affordable animation reviews from to help you level up your skills. You can check it all out at agora.community. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter and LinkedIn for updates on upcoming conversations and free animation quick tips. So, until next time, stay tuned and stay animated.